the CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... years ago, the ruling queen of England was Victoria. Now, more than a century later, her name is synonymous with the proper, the repressed, the prim, and to our technical age, the primitive. An old-fashioned era, we'd say today, where things didn't work too well. What worked exceedingly well, however, was English law enforcement. And what was new fashion then, and still is now, was the lady detective. Name, address, and occupation, please. John Hales. I live at Troitz Hill. I'm the butler to Dr. Craven. You knew old Sandy, the deceased? I did, coroner, for many years. So you, as butler, had a long association with the murdered man, the caretaker? He was not the caretaker. He was the lodgekeeper. And I can't say him being done away with is not a good thing. Uh, Mr. Hales, do I understand you to say murder is a good thing? In some cases, coroner, I'd say yes. Our mystery drama, Murder at Troites Hill, was adapted from the story by C.L. Perkis, especially for the Mystery Theater, by G. Frederick Lewis, and stars Marion Haley. I'll be back shortly with Act One. to describe the Victorian era? True, many of the conveniences we take for granted today hadn't even been invented a century ago. The phonograph, the bicycle, electric lights, the motor car, all to come. The telephone had only just been patented. Nevertheless, in Victorian times, if you sent a telegram in London, it would be delivered in one hour. If you mailed a letter before lunch, the recipient might be reading it before dinner. And as for crime detection... Suppose we let Loveday Brook, London's first policewoman, paint the scene for us. It was a beautiful spring day. Although Mum and Dad had brought me up in London, and I was born and bred a city girl, I longed for country life and enjoyed every moment I could going out by train just to see grass and trees. This trip, however, was not for pleasure. A murder had been committed, and I had been detailed to assist Inspector Griffiths of the local Cumberland police, who was driving me in a dog cart to the scene of the crime. Towards you, ma'am. That's the name of the place. Is it far, Inspector? Yeah, we're almost there, Miss Book. Ah, uh, it is, Miss, isn't it? You're not married, are you, ma'am? No, I don't imagine any man in his right mind would like to be married to a policewoman. Well, I don't know. My wife seems to enjoy being married to me, and I'm a policeman. <laughs> so, marriage has no interest for you, Miss Brooke? You may call me Love Day, my given name. No, Inspector. My answer to your query would be, marriage is not for me at the moment. However, what does interest me is this case I've been assigned to. Ah, yes, murder. Love Day... The victim was an old man with no money to speak of and, so far as we know, no relatives. He was the caretaker of that mansion you see there, looming up ahead of us. That is Troitz Hill. 
That is quite an estate. Who is the owner? Uh, Dr. Hector Craven, a widower. And the murdered man's name? Henderson. Known hereabouts as old Sandy. What else can you tell me? Only this. Apparently no motive. Aha. Uh-huh. These chalk marks on the cottage floor here are, I presume, where you found the body. Mm. Looks as though the victim had fallen back inside from the window. Exactly. Must have been looking out into the garden and got bossed on the head. So we found him lying right there in his nightshirt. Blunt instrument? Mm, more like a hammer than a croquet mallet. Which you have not found? Not yet. What do these premises consist of, Inspector? Mm, merely this living room, the tiny kitchen, the bath at the back of the cottage, and the bedroom. Nothing is being touched. Come see. This is the bedroom. Gracious. It appears as though a hurricane had struck. Hmm. We had no idea what to make of this, and I have not been able to make a thorough examination as yet. Ah, ah, ah. Good, lovely. You have your notebook out. An old habit to reinforce a rotten memory. Now, item one, the bedclothes rolled up and stuffed into the chimney. Item two, bedstead overturned. Item three, chair on top of table. Item four, fender and fire irons lying on washstand. Item five, clock upside down on mantel. Uh, have you had a look at the contents of the cupboard, Inspector? Only briefly. Mm, clothes all here. Money box doesn't appear to have been tampered with. Evidently, robbery was not a motive. Was the door unlocked when the body was discovered? Uh, the butler who discovered the deed told me it was. That would account for it. Account for what? The old man looks out the window, is hit on the head, falls back inside, and either the killer or somebody else enters and acts like a college boy on a rampage, turning the place topsy-turvy. You're of the opinion, then, that all this was some sort of prank? Well, look on the floor there, Inspector, near the door. The vases, the pipe rack, the pipes, the Chelsea and Staffordshire figurines are lined up on the floor as though they were marching out the door. Who would bother to play tricks with furniture, having just killed a man? A young lady, as I have said, a madman. There is an asylum not far from Troitz Hill. Where to now? The inquest. Having just come down from New Scotland Yard and the kind of inquest performed, I was ill prepared for the, um, shall we say, informality of light doings in the town of Grenfell in Cumberland. Uh, Alexander Henderson, known to all and sundry as old Sandy, met his death at the hands of a person or persons unknown, so far as we know. We call upon Dr. Craven. Kindly be seated, Doctor. It's a sorry affair that brings me here today. Very well, indeed. Death is a sorry affair. Uh, Do you know, or rather, should we say, did you know old Sandy? Oh, yes, yes, very well, indeed. Uh, How long have you known the deceased? Twenty-five years. He was in my employ when my dear wife was still alive. Even before our boy Harry was born. And what was the last time you saw old Sandy alive, Hector? I'm not sure as to the hour, but it was the day that John found him. I mean, the next morning. Oh, terrible thing. First, my wife Flora passes on now. Old Sandy. It's, 
Mr. Bear. Uh, Hector, please. We don't believe justice will be served any more rapidly by subjecting you to any more questions at this time. Uh, you. Uh, you may be excused, and You can leave the inquest. Hey, John Hales. John Hales, will you kindly approach us? <coughs> you, uh, John Hales? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. Uh, well, uh, name, address, occupation, and, and so forth. John Hales... Detroit's Hill. I'm butler to Dr. Craven. Yes, uh, you knew the deceased? I did. For many years. So, <clears throat> you as butler had a long association with the caretaker of Troy's Hill, uh, old Sandy. He was not the caretaker. He was a lodgekeeper. And if you ask me, he did roam all around the place. But then, he was Dr. Craven's favorite. Uh, well, uh, do we gather you have reservations as to old Sandy's value? So he thought he was valuable. He threw his weight round and something chronic, lording it over us. The maids will tell you the same thing, so we'll cook. I'm almost sure that sometimes even the doctor took orders from old Sandy. No, I can't say his being done in is not a good thing. Uh, Mr. Hales, uh, do we understand you to say... Murder is a good thing. In some cases, yes. Old Sandy didn't know his place. The gardener's boy did all the chores, and him he'd loll about in the main house eating meals with the doctor, acting like he owned the place. <clears throat> Any uh, <coughs> concluding words, Mr. Hales? Yeah, just two. Good riddance. Uh, well, you may return to your seat, John, but kindly remain at the inquest in case we should wish to put you to further questions. <laughs> has Harry Craven arrived? Uh, yes, Inspector? Uh, no, no, he is not here, but a note to you, Coroner, has arrived. It is a doctor's certificate, and may I present it? Uh, of course. <clears throat> uh, to whom it may concern, Harry Craven has contracted typhoid fever and has been taken to Grenville Hospital. Dr. James Dilbert. So, the young man is not available. I don't believe it. What don't you believe? That Harry Craven has typhoid. Indeed. Well, why not? I don't think he wanted to appear at the inquest. He didn't have typhoid yesterday or the day before. Well, do you know Dr. Dilbert who attests Harry Craven is in hospital? I don't have to know that, gentlemen, to know that Harry Craven is a thoroughly disreputable young man who might get anyone to sign anything. Uh, did you see Harry Craven the evening old Sandy was done in? Well, I'm not certain. We are not interested in uncertain evidence. What do you know? I know he has quarreled often with his father, Dr. Craven. I've been witness to that. Uh, can you tell us how young Craven got along with the deceased? He hated him. Indeed. Sandy never spared the rod with the boy when he was young, and I don't think Master Craven ever forgave him. Well, so it would appear that both yourself and Harry Craven did not care much for old Sandy. Sandy was not what you might call a lovable sort. The fact that a murdered man was not entirely popular is no novelty. If indeed old Sandy had been killed by someone he knew, it's more likely to have been done by an enemy than a friend. However, as Shakespeare has told us, murder, though it have no tongue, will speak. What it will tell us, we shall soon find out when I return shortly with Act Two.
it was a new experience for Inspector Griffiths of the local Cumberland Constabulary to have an attractive female assisting him in the performance of his duty. A woman policeman was something of an experiment in Victorian times. But then, Loveday Brooke had come highly recommended by Scotland Yard as both stubborn and dedicated, which was quite a recommendation, since that is what people said about Queen Victoria herself. Uh, I might have expected such a verdict. Your coroner had no evidence to the contrary, and no alternative. Murder by person or persons unknown. It's our duty to make that person or persons known. It has occurred to me, Loveday, we might learn a good deal more by conducting our investigation from the inside. You regard it as an inside job, do you, Inspector? I would say so. It so happens that Dr. Craven occasionally employs the solicitors, Messrs. Wells and Sugden, who it happens have from time to time assisted me in my police duties with information and the like. Uh, through them, I learned that the good doctor is anxious to secure an amanuensis. You mean a secretary? Hmm. I immediately offered your services, Loveday. Gracious, you don't let the grass grow under your feet, do you? I said you were a friend, Loveday. A lady of impoverished means who would gladly undertake the duties for the munificent sum of a guinea a month. I think my shorthand is barely worth that much. The old doctor, being quite a skinflint, I understand, jumped at the offer and is anxious for you to be at Troitz Hill as soon as possible, notebook and pencil in hand. Miss Loveday, Brooke, is it? Welcome to Troitz Hill. I'm John Hales, the butler. Let me show you to your room. Thank you, John. This is quite a large establishment. Oh, yes. Too large for the few we have in help. Is it difficult to get groundsmen and maids and so forth this far from London? Not difficult, but costly. And Dr. Craven, now that he's retired, has practically no income to speak of to support the place. There you are, Miss Brooke. I hope you'll be comfortable. The windows give out into the garden. Do have a look. It's really a beautiful place. What a pity it's been allowed to get so run down. What is that darling little cottage at the end of the garden? Oh, well, that was occupied by a man who was supposed to be looking after the grounds. Of course, he never did. That wasn't a man who was... Oh, don't tell me. How horrid. I'm not one to speak ill of the dead, miss, but old Sandy will not be missed. A sad commentary on a man's life. Yes, it is that. But I cannot feel that charitable. Ah, let me say this, miss. Dr. Craven is the sort to have favorites. And this man, old Sandy, was one of his. Well, you seem to have borne it all. I had no choice. Do you suppose the old lodgekeeper had some hold over the doctor? I've often wondered about that myself. Of course, I was told he was economizing in order to send his good-for-nothing son through college. The doctor has a son? An only child. Harry. He's 22. The most ungrateful hell rake one could imagine. I gather you don't care much for him either. Even old Sandy didn't care for him. Uh, may I tell you something in confidence, miss? By all means. Young Harry had it in for old Sandy since he was a boy. And Sandy whipped him with a riding crop. The day before he was done in, while I was serving dinner, 
There was a most terrible scene. And I heard Harry actually threaten the old man's life. Gracious. Did you inform the police? I had half a mind to do so at the inquest. But the coroner was so unpleasant, I thought to myself, well, that's their job. If they're that good at it, let them find out for themselves. Ah, that would be Cook. I must go down to the kitchen and lend her a hand. Dinner in the dining hall at seven sharp. Just you alone, miss. What about the doctor? He only comes down for breakfast. He's too busy with something he's writing. The pleasure of meeting my new employer was to be deferred till morning. After a substantial meal in solitary splendor, I returned to my room, blew out the lamp, and tried to sleep. The full moon shone in the window, and sleep did not come. So I dressed and decided to embark upon a little quiet investigation. Who is it? Who's there? Who is that? It's me, Miss. John Hales. Hmm. Isn't it a lovely night? So it is, Miss. Is there something I can do? Nothing at all, John. You may walk along a bit with me if you like. It wouldn't do for you to lose your way, especially inside that maze over there. Mm. I must explore it by daylight. What a clever way it's been tended. It must be centuries old. I expect it is, miss. Hello, what's this? Oh, someone's left a dark coat lying behind this bush. Ah, uh, I wouldn't look too closely if I were you. Good Lord. It's a dog. A dead dog. I'm afraid it's Captain, miss. Oh, what a beautiful black retriever. Did you know it was here, John? It belongs to the doctor. What a terrible thing to do. It's... It's... Oh, dear me. I think we should turn back, miss. This dog has been clubbed to death. I shall have to inform the doctor in the morning. A blunt, heavy instrument had smashed in the dog's skull. I thought to myself, exactly the death that was dealt to the old lodgekeeper. The following morning, I went down to breakfast and met Dr. Craven. Uh, good morning, Miss Brooke. It is uh, Miss Brooke, is it not? Yes, Dr. Craven. Good morning. I do apologize for not having been about yesterday to receive you, but uh, my wretched work usurps all my time. Uh, do make yourself at home. Uh, John, do bring in the eggs, will you? Uh, you do eat eggs, don't you? Certainly. Anything. Here are the eggs, Doctor. Yours also, Miss Brooke. No, fool. Put the stupid plates down and leave us. You're interrupting my train of thought. Now, work. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. As I was saying... Only a man who has given his life to comparative philology, as I have for the past 30 years, can gauge the magnitude of the task that I've set myself to begin. Philology, as you know, is the study of languages, phonetics, anything to do with the sound of the human voice. I understand, Doctor. 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 Uh, Miss... You'd better go on with your breakfast. What, doesn't he hear me? He's sitting there with his eyes closed. What is it? He will do that suddenly. He may sit there bolt upright like that for an hour. Lapses into silence, eyes closed. 
Uh, shall I bring you some toast and coffee? Hadn't you better wake him? Doctor, Miss Brooke and I found Captain last night. Uh, what? Captain, sir. Your black retriever. Oh, poor Captain. Best dog I ever had. Uh, who are you, young lady? Uh, what are you doing here? Where, where, where's Harry? Where's my son, Harry? Don't you know me, Doctor? Oh, yes. Yes, I remember. You've come to assist, haven't you? That's right. Uh, no, Miss, uh, Miss, um, oh, I've forgotten your name. Love Day Brooke. Is it now? Love Day. Oh, a lovely name. Remarkable. Uh, tell me, my dear, a little of what you know of the elemental sounds of speech common to all languages. To how many would you reduce those sounds? To six, eight, nine... What progress are you making, Love Day, at Troitz Hill? Item one. A black retriever belonging to the doctor has met the same blood and death that did the human victim. Item two. The butler, John Hales, owed the victim over 100 pounds he had borrowed over the years. Uh-huh. How'd you find that out? The butler enjoys talking to the new secretary. Item three. The butler believes that son Harry Craven is not ill in hospital, but hiding somewhere He's right. Harry was never admitted to Grenfell Hospital. But that medical affidavit. Forged. I'd like to question the butler, Loudair, but not at Troitz Hill. I want you to find out for me where he goes on his day off. To friends, local pub, where? Do my best. Inspector, I shan't get another opportunity of coming here to report to you without arousing suspicion. Uh, how are the, uh, the males? As rapid and prompt as they are in London. If you mail me a note in the morning, catching the noon post, it'll be delivered here to the constabulary mid-afternoon. Good enough. Mail service in Britain is so reliable, one tends rather to take it for granted. I say there, I haven't seen your face at the Fox announced for. You from these parts? Griffith, the name of the next township, Grenfell. Grenfell, eh? Oh, I don't get around there much. Yeah, here, find a bit of maybe. Oh, wait a minute. You wouldn't happen to be Inspector Griffiths of the Grenfell Constabulary. The same. Oh, well, are you here on uh, business? Mm, well, I might say so. Our profession. Police business. I'm hoping to be John Hales. Do you know him? Well, that's the butler, Troy Tell. He drops by on his day off sometimes. Uh, what is it? Uh, I mean, why? The murder. The murder? Of old Sandy. Oh, yes. Murder. Is Hales a suspect? No more than anybody else. Is that a fact? No more than, shall we say, young Harry Craven. Harry Craven? Yes. Do you know him, McQueen? I, uh... Well, surely you must. Well, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I was thinking of someone else. Yes, I know him. McQueen, what are you hiding? Well, nothing, sir. Something to do with John Hales? No, no, I assure you. Oh, all right. It's been playing on my mind. 
ever since the night old Sandy was killed. You see, shortly after 11 o'clock, Eric Craven came to my house with something wrapped up in paper. It was a valuable piece of silver plate. A handsome ape man. Excuse me, are you certain which night it was? Last Sunday? Yes, because a fox and hounds were shot. I was at home. A valuable silver piece, yes. And? Well, uh, Harry said he, he wanted to go up to London. Start out for himself. Not depend on his father anymore. Make a clean break. And would I loan him a hundred pounds on the big silver piece? I'll show it to you. I have it here on the counter. Here. We'll see. Uh, hundred pounds? It's worth ten times that. I know that. At any rate... All I could do for him was ten sovereigns. Which you gave him in exchange? Only as a loan, mind you. At uh, what time Sunday night was it? Eleven o'clock. Oh, here comes the man you want to see. Hello, John. I have seen that a pair before. What are you doing here? Hey, John Hayes. I am, sir. It belongs to Dr. Craven. We kept it on the sideboard. Uh, he wants to see you, John. Oh, yes. Yes, I thought I recognized you, sir, from the inquest. John Hales, I must caution you that any statements you now make, which you did not give in evidence at the inquest, will be regarded with some suspicion. Do you two gentlemen be good enough to accompany me back to the constabulary? I think we should have ourselves a little talk. As they say, the plot thickens. Murder complicated by theft, complicated by incriminations. It would appear that all those we have met have something to hide. Perhaps somewhere in this mass of evidence and accusations lies the truth. More when I return shortly with Act Three. They call them bobbies the London police, in honor of the man who founded the organization back in 1829, Sir Robert Peel. Sir Robert once said, murder cannot be hidden, nor the murderer. To a criminal, the world is made of glass, and peace officers must persevere and look until they see. But it's not enough to know to look. You have to know where. This exasperated policewoman loved a book. I was furious with myself. I knew the solution to the crime must lie right under my nose, but it eluded me. I reported to Dr. Craven the following morning, notebook and pen in hand. It's hard here in my brain, but I can't put it into words. Shall I come back later, then? Uh, yes, later. Uh, yep. And the groom, that's all it. What did you say, Doctor? Surprised? I, I, I couldn't have been more surprised. You were? I was mostly disappointed. All the work. I needed proof. Should I be writing this down? Yes, a good blow of the hammer. It was done. But often not. Yes, you're right, Doctor. You are absolutely right. No. No, I'm wrong. Dead wrong. Sandy's dead and buried. They held an inquest on him. Did you know? Yes. And we all praised him as if he were a saint. Uh, who, who are you? Oh, yes. Love Day. 
My stenographer with a pretty name. Come back. Uh, come back at tea time and we shall continue this important work. The old doctor didn't have all his wits about him. He was making himself almost believe it was he who killed old Sandy. Strange that no one warned me about him. My years of police training alerted me to danger. I went out into the garden and sat myself well inside the maze to write a note to Inspector Griffiths. I wanted to catch the noon post. It was urgent. I heard voices. John. What? Who is it? It's me. Harry. Master Harry. What are you doing here? I've come back. Is it true about old Sandy? Don't you know? Yes, I was told. I had to come back. I was on my way to London and got as far as Scarborough, and I thought, no, I mustn't go away like this. Ah, indeed? I, I don't remember if you were there, John, but I had ugly words with my father. It seems I've been quarreling with everyone these days. I've come back to apologize to him. And what about the silver epan, Master Harry? Oh, oh, you know about that. Now, it, it was stupid. I don't know what came over me. I, I needed the money to start up with in London, so I took it. I thought, what's the difference? I shall inherit it all anyway. Now is when I need it. Oh, it was stupid. Short-sighted. I've got to explain to Father. Oh, they're after me for the murder of old Sandy, but I don't care. Let them take me in. I must see Father and obtain his forgiveness. Why do you say that, Father? Surely I've grown up since those days. You haven't changed in 22 years, and you never will. Father, please, try to calm down. It's, it's not good for you. I came back here, didn't I? I've admitted I took the stupid piece of silver. It was foolish. It was thieving, dishonorable. No son of mine is of it. Please, Father, I can't bear those platitudes. What do you mean, no son of yours? Perhaps if Mother was still alive... Oh, I... yes, of course. Blame it on the parents. Nothing to do with you. No, I wish you were alive also. But you, you must live your own life. That is what I am trying to do. Oh, I, I, I can't stand these arguments. Go away, Harry. I, I have work to do. Work? What work? Experiments that will never come to anything? Come to nothing, will they? Get out of here. Dr. Craven, Dr. Craven, please. Oh, Father, for God's sake, please, will you listen? All I'm asking for is forgiveness. Is he asking that much, Doctor? Couldn't you consider it? Never. Never, never. He, he's dishonored our family. Oh, oh, help, help me. Oh, good Lord. He's collapsed on the floor. Father, what is it? Dr. Craven, can you hear me? Harry, fetch some water. Water? I'm going to fetch a doctor. I had no idea he was really sick. I'll be back as soon as I can. Oh. oh. This is... Oh. What am I doing lying here on the floor? Oh, it's lovely. Oh, what can you think of me? I must have slipped and fallen. Help me up. Yes. Would you? Ah, oh, yes. Over there, to my chair, behind the desk. How is that? Oh. You're oh. better now. I have a habit of doing that, nodding off. Was I asleep long? You mean you don't remember your son was here? Oh, my head is clear now. Oh, so much better than this morning. Where is your notebook? A good blow with a hammer, and the thing was done. Did you say hammer? Poor captain. Oh, splendid dog. Well, now, where were we? Oh, yes, 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 I remember. It was the elemental sounds of speech that bothered me so that night. Uh, were you at Troitz Hill then, Miss Loveday? 
I had been trying all day to assimilate a dog's yelp of pain to a human groan. And I could not do it. Oh, the idea haunted me. If they were both elemental sounds, they must have something in common. But I could not find a link between them. Then it came to me. Would a well-trained dog, used to hearing and obeying the human voice like my captain, at the moment of death, would his yelp not contain something of a human death cry? I would put it to the test. Oh, believe me, if I could make such a conclusion in my treatise, such a fact would be worth a dozen dogs' lives. So, I went out. It was moonlight. Oh, but you know all about that, don't you? Yes. Poor Captain. Did he yelp or groan? He just gave one loud, long, hideous yelp. As if he'd been a common street mongrel, not a highly intelligent, well-trained dog. I was very disappointed. I might just as well not have done the experiment. All it did was to set that simpleton to opening his window and spying on me. Master, what are you doing there at this time of night? And that simpleton, did he yelp or groan when you dealt him his blow? What? Oh, Sandy? Um, did you say that you'd like to see the hammer? It's right here in my desk drawer. There it is. Oh, no. Don't stir yourself. Sit right there, young lady. I'll, I'll come around the desk to you. Uh, this is what we call a geological hammer. I'll show you what I mean, how it works. You give it a good swing around, and down it comes with a splendid crash. I shall do it, and we shall imagine the edge of my desk is a head. Sergeant... Bring in the prisoner. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Inspector, will you listen to me? I, I tell you again, I I've just come from my father and he is very ill. Yes, the sergeant reported your statement to me. Unfortunately, Dr. Dilbert, whom you went to see, for what purpose we have to find out, didn't believe you. And that is why he sent his assistant out the back way to fetch the police. Look, can't we defer all the questions? I'll admit anything, everything. Just get the doctor to go to Troyte's Hill. My father is lying on the floor in a coma. Mm, so you said before, you do go on, don't you? Uh, excuse me for a moment. Yes? Oh, for me. Mm. Thank you, Sergeant. Oh, sir. I'll be with you in a moment. There's some correspondence just arrived. Uh, Sergeant, bring round the horse cart. I must be off directly. Yeah. What about me? My father? You remain in custody. It's for Dr. Craven. I shall be seeing him very shortly. I hope you get there in time. I certainly hope so myself. You know, dear Miss Loveday... Loveday uh... broke... Oh, yes, of course. I have been thinking... I wonder what sort of a sound you would make if I were to give you a little tap with this hammer just there on your lovely forehead. Elemental sound it would be, naturally. Wait a minute, Doctor. You haven't told me what sort of 
elemental sound old Sandy made when he fell. The simpleton fell back dead without a sound. This is all for nothing. No. No. Not for nothing. I do it again. And again. Like so. And so. Oh, oh the pity of it all was that he fell without a sound of any sort. It is only this moment occurred to me that a woman in her death agony would be very much more likely to give utterance to an elemental sound than a man. Oh, no, you don't! Now lie there quietly, Doctor. I'm sorry I had to knock you out. on time, lovely. I bet your London train coming in. Of course you were right all along, Inspector. I was. You said it was the work of a madman. Ah, yes, yes. But I thought one who had got out, not one who should be on the way in. Oh, thank heavens I got your note about suspecting Dr. Craven when I did. What did suggest to you the doctor's guilt? From the very beginning, the relations that existed between himself and a lodge keeper seemed to me to savor too much of fear on one side and power on the other. Had the doctor not done away with old Sandy when he did, it would have happened sooner or later. It was inevitable. Dr. Craven is two people, and one of them must be put out of harm's way. I shall certainly tell London what a pleasure it has been working with you here, Inspector Griffiths. Now I would say it's goodbye. No, no, I would say it's au revoir. You'll have to come back again, okay? Give evidence that will incarcerate poor Dr. Craven in the asylum for the rest of his life. Oh, by the by, Inspector, will you thank your postman for his efficient and timely delivery of the mail? Certainly not, Lovedy. That's his job. According to the records kept by those aficionados of crime saluting who keep such records, between 1860 and the turn of the century, no less than 20 different fictional lady detectives could be read about and whose adventures could be purchased in bookstalls everywhere. So Loveday Brook was not the first and certainly not the last. Why are lady detectives so very popular? I'll try and answer that when I return shortly. I was saying, why has there always been such an interest in the ladies who fight crime? From Loveday Brook to Modesty Blaze. Back to Sir Robert Peel and that famous Englishman for a portrait in words. The intuitions of women are better and readier than those of men. Her quick decisions without conscious reasons are frequently far superior to a man's most careful deductions. Our cast included Marion Haley, Robert Dryden, Earl Hammond, and Ray Owens. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. What's your name? Baldy. Baldy? Yeah, for obviously. Well, now shall we begin? We already began. Now it's time for the end. The end? 
You've just been not, Mr. Miller. I, I think. Invest in a good silencer, and it don't hardly make no sound at all. Listen. Ah, that's right here. You just lean back like that. Oh, it's all right, little girl. Uh, this year, gentlemen, just tired. So you have a little nap, that's all. Here. Here's 50 cents. Why don't you go and have a ride on the merry-go-round? Here's a teacher. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.